Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Life and Sport Podcast. This is another guest that we've got on for the Olympics, Paralympics season slash year coming up. 2012 Paralympian Amber Merritt. Thank you very much for joining me today. And <laughs> how's your day going so far? It's good. It's very, well, like it's 20 past eight in Perth at the moment. So jeez. day is just beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but 20 past eight, geez, that's that, that's a big sheesh, but that's fair enough. And obviously everyone's sporting career starts young, you know, starts at, at the very basics, whether it's, you know, um, whatever it can be. So my first question for you is what is your earliest memory of basketball in general? To be honest, I actually didn't start we're around basketball at all. Oh, wow. um, I didn't even was it, was it swimming that was first? Swimming was first, mm-hmm. but I also so I because of my disability, swimming was kind of a hydrotherapy. And I oh, okay. I learned how to swim before I learned how to walk properly. Oh oh wow. Yeah, wow. because That's... of the kick. Of course, um, yep. So that was that was like my first sporting memory. And then as I was growing up and um, I started to get a bit more movement, I was very active. So I, I tried all sports essentially, like horse riding, skateboarding, through to bike riding, cycling, triathlons. Wow, um, you did everything. I, I tried everything, yeah. And then um, I moved to Australia and kind of just stuck with swimming because swimming was always the predominant sport I think and it's definitely a predominant sport in Australia as well yeah exactly and you know like I think when we look at children in sport and like athletes in particular there comes a point where you pick one oh um, absolutely absolutely because you yeah and so um just tangenting back into what you just said before you moved to Australia so to anyone who may not know you're originally from England um, in particular Portsmouth, um, which is where my family is from as well. What was the move like at such a young age, around nine, ten years old, moving from one country to a totally different culture, new people, new everything, really? It was very bizarre. And, um, yeah, it's kind of, it, yeah, I guess it's daunting because I don't have a massive family. Okay. Um, in Australia, it's just mum, dad and I. Like, okay. we had no one else really here apart wow. from some because most people who move over from England usually do have a family member or two over here sort of thing. Yeah. And so my parents actually started the process of immigration very early. Mm. Um, it took us about six years to get our permanent residency to come over to Australia. So okay. I was very young when that started. And in that time, we actually had a family friend do the same thing. And she moved with her family to Australia Three same months. area or to a different part of Australia? Same area. Yeah, we all came to Perth. So we were really lucky um, that that happened because we yeah. kind of slotted in and at least we knew someone. Yeah, um, of course. Who knew the area-ish for you as well, of course. Yeah, but in terms of like for me personally, it was so long ago it's hard to remember, but I do think like going to a different school and learning a different school system. So mm. in... I finished, when I left England, I'd actually finished year six and I was about yeah. to go into high school because in back then year seven was high school in England. Yeah. Um, and when I moved to Australia, because of the differences, I actually had to redo year six completely. <laughs> and I was like, hang on. And then year seven's primary school. So I was like, what is, what is this yeah. bizarre world? Um, yeah. But everything else, I kind of just 
fitted in and you kind of just roll with it it's a whole new adventure and it's really exciting and you know you kind of have a few gripes and complaints to the parents but if anything I felt like it was the best decision my parents could have ever made not just for me as a child and the opportunities that were presented but also for themselves um they just were so much more relaxed they were half they seem happier way happier and they enjoy Australia and the heat and yeah it's yeah yeah, very lucky (laughs) That's, that's awesome to hear um because yeah, there's definitely a lot of goings on wherever you go in the world. But I've spoken to a lot of Brits, a lot of expats, um, in particular, and they definitely say Australia living in particular is a lot, um, a lot more. What's the word? A lot more a, a better quality of life, for lack of a better term. Um, <laughs> without without getting political or anything no. like that. Um, so obviously, your earliest memory of basketball isn't basketball it's as you said track and field it's swimming it's this that the other so my next question is um at what point as you as we just tailed on before that that last question you had you came to a crossroads and you had to pick uh, what sort of led to that like and at what point did basketball come into the equation um so it's actually a really it's a really interesting story and it's okay. one that a few athletes may have faced in para sport um so to give a bit of backstory to to everyone listening or watching um I was born with a disability called clubfoot and so when my mum was pregnant with me my Achilles tendon stopped developing and it presents differently in everyone so it can manifest in both feet it can be one foot it can be very minor that you just need boots and bar and some physiotherapy or it could be as severe as needing surgery Um, and mine was so severe that I needed to have surgery and um, I was born with the big toe of my left foot touching the side of my left leg so my foot was completely rotated yeah for some reason I don't know why I just moved my foot a bit to sort of just wow that's (laughs) that's I wouldn't wish that on anyone sorry please continue (laughs) So with my condition, even though now I walk, um, I present as an able-bodied person, but I live with a disability. Um, I am missing most of my ankle joint. Um, My foot, I can't wiggle my toes on my left foot because I've had the tendons cut. I've had tendon releases, um, missing most of the muscle in the lower part of my left leg. And then because it was only one side that was impacted by the condition, um it means that the other side is compensated for yeah so my left side is smaller so um I by the time I was four your right side's hench (laughs) yeah well like even in leg length like my my leg was eight centimeters shorter by the time I was 14 so like there was a lot of things as I was growing up that I had to face and so um with the swimming side and what had happened was I moved to Australia and I started swimming as a, a para-athlete because I had been classified in England. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, without tooting my own horn, by the time I was 13, I was very successful in swimming. Um, oh, awesome. Broke about eight national records. Um, was well, on my you. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and so I went to represent WA at the National Day of Difference Junior Game, Disability yep. Games. And that's all sports. That's rugby, tennis, basketball, um, table tennis. Everything. Everything was there. 
and they tapped me like they pulled me aside and they were like look you know you've been classified but we actually need to do a, a national classification for you and I was like no worries oh, all good okay is this to and be then, able to compete for Australia or just to be able to compete at this event that you were attending to compete for everything so once oh, wow. you've been given your classification at a level that's it and then if you okay. go to an international level then you'll get an international classification so gotcha. um and we're swimming because all sports vary in how they determine of course of course so yeah. with swimming they sit you on a bench and they they do some movement work and they give you so many points and if you i think it's up to 13, 14 points if you get 14 points and you get put into the pool and that's when they decide your classification if you don't get 14 points then you're not classifiable you're considered able-bodied okay so it's a bit of a uh, um what's the word um bit of a prejudicial way to get started of the classification if you don't mind me saying wow yeah it's pretty if if i'm being honest i would put them in the pool first and see what they're able to do themselves yeah in in all honesty that's how i would do it i mean that's just me but wow yeah it is it's very interesting and you know like for me they were literally getting protractors out to check how much movement i have and i would feel like so Talk about, like, sorry to interrupt, but, like, for me personally, as an able-bodied person, if I was put through that and they're trying to promote inclusivity and make people not feel, like, you know, less than or whatever, getting a protractor out and a measuring tape and whatnot would definitely make me feel the total opposite of what they're trying to achieve. I'm sorry, please yeah. continue. That makes me mad. Oh. It is, it is, it's, this is, I guess, the side of disability sport that mm. people don't realise is that, there has to be a point of where do we make it fair? Yeah, of um, course. How do, we, how do we distinguish that someone like myself doesn't compete against a paraplegic? Someone with no arms it? sort of thing, yeah. Yeah. To- so, totally get that, okay. Yeah, so there is some real nitty-gritty Still makes me out of it, though, but I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, unfortunately, I didn't get my 14 points. I was told I was too able-bodied. And, uh, you know, I said swimming for, for, for anyone who's listening for swimming, technically other just, sports may not, but just swimming at this point in Australia. Yeah. So just swimming. Yeah. Um, I was told that my disability could be trained out of me. Um, fuck off. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Excuse my language, but <laughs> Jesus, fuck off out of here with that. There was, so, there was so much. Um, I'd be you know, so and, yeah, it was, it was just hard at 13 years old, you know, as a young woman going through puberty, being told you don't fit, kind of copped it on the chin. My parents weren't there. It was just me and the team. Oh. Um, I compete. I was still allowed to compete. I just, okay. even if I had broken records or won medals, I wasn't going to get them. Um, so, then. No, it was just like participation, which, okay. you know, I will, I'll cop because it's all resilience building. Um, character building absolutely yeah so then it's all part of your story all part of your journey sorry continue no and then I moved to I came back to Perth Mm -hmm. and I had a few conversations with my parent like my family and the coaches in Perth and they were like look we actually don't think this is fair we think you need to get classified Mm. I competed as an able-bodied athlete I was getting disqualified in every event that I competed in as an able-bodied athlete because they were saying that my legs don't match up and my disability was impacting it I had so what the fuck did Paralympics or dis- disabled um sporting Australia like Jesus sorry continue. So I'm just, still mad um, at them right no, now. it's just the um unfortunately like every sport has 
dis- different classification codes. Yes. Yes. Um, and there are unfortunately going to be people that fall into the gray area and we have to accept that. And yeah. that was really like, yes, it was a really challenging part of my life, but it also opened me up to something that was so beautiful. And that was wheelchair basketball. So um, I fought the system for six months, but there's only at such a young age and with my parents, there's only so much that you can do before it becomes quite mentally taxing. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, all I wanted to do was play sport. I grew up in a very active family. All I all I wanted to do was be an athlete. Um, okay. And so there was this really great coach named Frank Ponta, and he was my swimming coach. Um, mm-hmm. Like, he helped with my swimming stuff. So he pulled me aside one day and he said, look, this might not be the path, but how about we try something else? What about wheelchair basketball? You're tall. I was six foot by the time I was oh, 14. Well. So I, yeah. was, I was not going to be small. Um, and he said, what about basketball? And I honestly thought he was joking. I really did because like, I am so uncoordinated. Like the idea of trying to dribble a ball and walk. And wheel, and, and wheel the wheelchair and, as like, well. Wheelchair. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I took it and I said, okay. And then I went down one day and I shot my first shot and I got it in and he said, right, we'll, we're going to start training. And it started with just Tuesday nights um, in a, backyard like in a basketball court in a shed in an industrial area and then eventually it moved into states and then it grew and I got asked to go to my first national camp in 2008 I think it was mm-hmm. 2008 and then you know, everything started building until eventually I was asked to... You could say the wheels started rolling in motion for that. (laughs) And, you know, there was that... um, I obviously had to go back through the classification process. And how was that? Because that would have been... You would have been daunting that because you would have thought... you. Because of your previous experience, surely your mind would have been like, nah, they're not going to classify me for this. They're not going to this, that, the other. Or was, or was there like no doubt you were like, I'm confident in this in this sport with what I can do, et cetera? It was 50-50. Um, but, you know, I'm like it's hard when you're on a bench and people don't see you walking or running. Whereas yeah. in wheelchair basketball, the way they classified me was they were actually watching me walk and my gait. And then they, they asked me to run. And I was like waddling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> waddling. And then it was really funny. And then, you know, they they did all the muscle tests and they checked everything and they're like, Well, you have got a noticeable dis- discrepancy that you, distinguishes you can't run on the court. Like it's that simple. <laughs> yeah. So no, you can't participate at an able-bodied level. So let's classify like you're a four and a half. So um I'm classified as the most minimal level of impairment in wheelchair okay. basketball, which is a four point. Yeah, but still impaired enough to, for lack of a better term, be qualified for wheelchair basketball. Yeah, yeah. So, and how it works is that you're only allowed 14 points on the court at one time. So instead of it being oh, like... Oh, isn't like, so 14 points being like your 4.5, someone else's say, you know, I don't know, um, whatever their points are, but the cumulative amount of points on the team, on the court, equal 14. So okay. when... Yeah, and so when you think about team selections Mm. and when you think about combinations, like coaches, I don't envy our coaches, but, you know, you have to think about your combinations. Have you got a speed lineup? Have you got a defensive lineup? Have you got an offensive lineup? How does everyone fit into these combinations? How do we make it work? What are the numbers? Mm. Um, So it's pretty cool because we're instead of it just being like a team of four and a half versus a team of four and a half, it's a 
it's all disabilities coming together and working together. Yeah. Um, which is really Absol cool. For that common goal, which is absolutely awesome. And obviously, um, tangenting into your debut for the gliders to anyone who doesn't know that's the wheelchair basketball national team of australia the gliders um in 2009 what was it like you know for you getting your call up at yeah in 2009 i get to represent the green and gold in in basketball it was pretty surreal you know it's um it was funny because i actually that was a really big year for me in terms of breakthrough as a breakthrough mm -hmm. athlete so um my very first international and not many people know this. I was actually mm. part of the under 23 world championship team, which wow. back in 2009 was mixed. It was men's and women's. Okay. And, um, As in like it, both in the same team sort of thing, or was it different yeah. like men's comp, women's comp, but on the same day? No, okay. So mixed. Mixed. Wow. Um, and then 2011, they split it. So it was under 23 men's and under 25 women's. Okay. And so my first international, I was one of seven women competing from around the world in wow. 12 months. With, with men and against men as well, technically. Wow. Yeah. yeah. What I was, was that like? Uh, it actually is one of my favourite tournaments I've ever been to. <laughs> Did you win? How did you go at the tournament? We came fourth. Um, That's pretty good which is really good. And, you know, the team that we went with, like the team that I traveled with, most of the guys are now in the national team or yep. have gone on to be successful in other sports. So like yep. um, the likes of Dylan Alcott was in that yep. team in 2009. Um, Shout Bill out to Lager. Dylan Alcott. <laughs> <laughs> you know, big names in wheelchair basketball and Yannick Blair um, and then women as well. There was one other Australian female in Kobe Crispin who was with me um and that was just it was just fun it was just so much fun um and then came home and two weeks later traveled to Canada to compete for the gliders for the first time so I kind of wow. got that taste of so, elite how was that two-way turnaround like as in flying home jet lagged and then flying back to another like a country over the other side of the world again just two weeks later what was that first because that was you could say technically the first as you said, high, like high intense athletes sort of level, two week turnaround, then you got to haul ass again. Like, what was that like? It was pretty surreal because, um, you know, I was also in year 11 at high yeah. school. So, and I was trying to do six T subjects. So I was trying to like get my university certificate yeah. to go through to. Um, and that break was actually during exam time. And so that's kind of good then that two weeks you can do exams. Yeah, and we also had the epidemic of swine flu in 2000. Oh, yeah. Jeez, I remember that. So, um, you know, like it was pretty challenging, but it was also so exciting. Um, mm. I came home, went back to high, like went to school, kind of laid really low. Like people knew I played sport. They just didn't really understand. But they didn't know to what school. extent, yeah. Yeah, and then when I, I was like, oh, I'm going to Canada, they're like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, pardon? <laughs> I'll be back oh, in a true. few weeks, don't mind me. So, but, you know, um, going back to like the gliders and that being my first exposure to an international tournament with the girls, I couldn't have thought of a better tournament to actually be at as the, the first tournament because it was a friendly tournament. It wasn't like a major AOZ or oh, that's good. You know, world championships. It was... Or a Paralympics. <laughs> yeah, it was like a friendly... Um, I didn't play that that many minutes, but to me, like... I think everyone with the squad was the was the experience maker sort yeah. of thing. and taking it all in and learning and watching and 
you know, seeing these incredible athletes from not just Australia, but from around the world. I think it was the Dutch, which are now the world number one women's team in the world. And it was, um, and Canada obviously were there and I think there was one more but you know having these teams all together and seeing these incredible athletes I was like oh my gosh and um, I look at the likes of Janet McLaughlin who she's since retired um, she's from team Canada and then there were athletes like Inga Hutzing from Netherlands who I looked at and I was like I want to I want to be like that like I want to be able to shoot the ball like that and you know move the way they do and that exposure enabled me to kind of pick apart my game as I got older and start creating my own style of wheelchair basketball. That's amazing to hear that. Honestly, that's so awesome. And only a few short years later, you got the Paralympics call up, the 2012 London. So if anything, a homecoming of sorts, because it was in London in the UK. Um, First of all, what was it like um, finding out you're going to be a Paralympic athlete to then going to London uh, all that sort of stuff? Uh, I bawled my eyes out, <laughs> I remember. And it was like, it was a bit weird, to be honest. Because um, obviously I've never, I, apart from the World Championships, I went to the Worlds in 2010 um, yeah. and I was a baby baby. And then the Paralympics, the, the selection process of that was very interesting. And you kind of like, you're all, you've had a national camp, you're all on the court and then yeah. calling people in one by one. Oh, that would be so <laughs> grueling. I'd be sweating so much. And um, we then exited out another door. So we actually didn't, so you didn't see paths. them. That, you didn't see the ones that rolled away. Like you just didn't see them. No, you, you went to a different room. So you were on the court, went to the meeting room and then walked out to another room, which is actually pretty cool because for the girls that don't get picked, at least then they can take space away from the girls that do get picked. Yes. Deal okay. with their emotions the way they need to. Yeah. Um, and then come back into it when they're ready to celebrate everyone and the success yeah. of the program. Of so, um, but it was, I was in the final three on the court waiting to get the meeting. At that point, I'd, I'd be getting more, I'd be like, oh, is, I'd, be like, I'd be like, is this going alphabetically or what? Because I'm getting so nervous. Yeah. So, and then I went in and we had a conversation and then they were like, we just want to congratulate you. Um, because we'll be taking you and I just sat there and I cried and I came out and you know I'm the I was the baby of the team I was 19 years old um wow. which doesn't sound that young but it like in terms of in terms sport, of sport abs- absolutely yeah um and then yeah and then it was just like a big roller coaster I dedicated I did dedicate most of my life once I graduated high school it was all about basketball I was yep. you know pulling big hours on the court. I was training with not just some of the best women in the world, but I was also training with the best men. Um, you know, four of the starting five of the Paralympic gold medal team from Beijing in 2008 were from WA. Yeah, wow. And I took all that in and, you know, trained with them. I worked with them. I picked their brains. Like I just wanted to do as much as possible. And then, you know, the coach was lucky. The W, uh, the coach of the national team at the time was from WA as well. So I would go and do extra shooting sessions with him. And um, I just wanted to, I just breathed sport until yeah. I got that call up. And then, you know, the work got even more because it was like, right, well, that's that goal ticked off. Let's go. Now I've got to actually work toward, like, towards winning that now. Yeah. Um, and you train hard, like, you train hard and as hard as possible so that when you're in tournament, you can actually kind of 
enjoy it a little bit as well. To the point where, you, like, exactly, it's kind of like how they say for exams in particular, you know, the, the trial exams are a lot harder than the actual exams. Similar sort of respect when it comes to the prep. You, you literally bust your ass in the preparation and the training so that way the game is as easily is as easy as possible for you when you're playing it, when you're, you know, so you don't get as gassed as quick, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, once we got to, like, the lead, the, the trip itself was really long. So um, we left Australia as a team and we travelled to uh, Germany. Uh, Germany? No, we went to Netherlands. And then from Netherlands, we went to Wales. And we were in Cardiff and that's where the whole Paralympic team, all the swimmers, all the track athletes, everyone was there. We had a staging camp and um, that's where all our uniforms got fitted appropriately, our opening and closing ceremony uniforms. They made sure our jackets and our blazers were right. And then we got a bus from Cardiff into London. And once we got into the village and got into our rooms and could just feel like home, it was electric. It was absolutely electric. And what was it like, as as we just mentioned earlier in the recording, that, you know, you are originally from England, not London, of course, but, you know, it was a homecoming of sorts. Did you sort of get a bit of goosebumps sort of thing about being, holy shit, I'm competing for Australia in England at a Paralympics <laughs> sort of thing? Um, there was, there were parts of me that, you know, it was, it wasn't so much like a rivalry of like, I'm Australian, but I'm Brit. Um, I had a lot of pride. Um, I had a lot of pride and the fact that um, and I get really emotional talking about it because no no um, my grandfather um, passed away last year unfortunately oh I'm Um, sorry that's okay on two years ago almost actually now wow Um, but he was my biggest fan when I wanted to told him like I'm going to play wheelchair basketball he actually helped pay for my first basketball chair and in 2010 when I went to my first world championships in Birmingham, he traveled up with my auntie. Um, they, they drove up from Portsmouth to Birmingham and (laughs) to be, yeah, to be able to compete at a Paralympic games, um, as his grandchild. And he came, he was able to go and see because it's in England as well. Yeah. And mum and dad were there and it was just so, so special. Um, and, you know, when he did pass away, he actually, we put um, both of my jerseys on his coffin. So he had, oh, we like, love he was always there. So, um, you know, I think about that in the support and the love that it was given to me to be able to get to that point and nothing beats that. That was like, that for me, like winning the silver medal was awesome. But those are the moments that I think about the most is the fact that I could look in the crowd and just see, my parents and my grandfather um and all the people that had actually got me to that point and know that I'm I'm doing right by them yeah that's incredible <laughs> to hear um and tangenting off that sort of topic as well uh, but not unrelated obviously uh, Paralympics and the Olympics and whatnot usually go for about two weeks did you end up making a bit of a holiday of it after that and actually going and seeing your family down in Portsmouth area I would have loved to um oh. but there's actually rules yeah so (laughs) you know it was it was hard um but with because we've got major sponsors in Qantas 
and you know there's so many companies that come together to enable the Paralympic teams to travel and compete so Qantas were are our major sponsors they have been for all of the games that I've been at and one of the rules unless you can get special like requests slipped through is that we all have to travel home together so we all get on a charter flight and we fly from London to Sydney and when we landed in Sydney, there was a big guard of, like when we left London, there was a big guard of honour. The the fire trucks were there with the hoses. And then when we landed in Sydney, the same thing happened. And then we all got off the plane. And instead of like going straight through to customs, we were all taken off to a back room. And that's where we got to meet, um, you know, politicians. I think Julia Gillard was there, like some pretty big names. Prime ministers at the time, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, you got to meet these people, have conversations. There was a bit of media, sort of like, and then it was like, right, you're connecting flights. You've got to get going. So that's when we all dipped and got home. But um, yeah, I would like, I would have loved to say, I actually haven't, the, I went back to England for the first time in 15 years in 2018. Oh, wow. yeah, so I had like even though I'd been back for sport, I had never actually stopped to take yeah. time to go down and see. No, that's fair. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure you would have been able to have a chance to actually talk to your grandfather and all that while you were there at some point, whether it was courtside or whatever sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And you know, like I'm really lucky that um, my family are quite supportive. And so, you know, when we went to the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, my cousin and her partner drove up, and I got to see them um and uh, you know it like yeah it's just it is what it is unfortunately and it, it is it, it is, is but, but that's <laughs> awesome that you still made do you were able to still see them and all that sort of stuff just not afterwards sort of thing yeah. which is unfortunate um obviously mentioning the retirements and whatnot you did recently announce your retirement in november last year um how's the transition going for you so far uh it's really tough yeah. i don't think <laughs> no like brutally honest like I don't think a lot of athletes we really talk about the processes of retirement and you know like going into it I I think it shocked a lot of people when I made the decision um I don't think people well, I mean, saw- I, mean yeah. I guess because as sorry to interrupt um from an outsider looking in because you're still technically so young you could at, at the age you're at potentially make another another Paralympics or two or a Paralympics and then a com game sort of thing. Whereas, yeah. So I, I can understand that from that respect. Sorry, please continue. No. And also I think, cause I was what people would deem at the peak of my tournament, like okay. my game, like I, last year I was voted world all-star five and top. Oh, my wow. world. Yeah. So and like, you're like no, I'm dipping like, by. <laughs> what? And, um, but you know, like I actually went into Tokyo 2020 being like, I think this is going to be my last games. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to go. And then I had a stellar tournament and that was because of the yeah. coach. Um, and how did, sorry, sorry, to inter- so, sorry to interrupt real quick. Obviously 2012, 2020, totally different years, especially given a COVID year, et cetera. What were the differences like? Very different. Very yeah. strange. Um, but it's also very hard to draw a comparison, um, not just because of the circumstances that we were in, but also um, the gliders went at the 2016 Paralympics. So we had this massive hiatus um, and the age gap, I was 19 and I was 19 in London. And then what, 2021, I was 28 years old. Yeah, wow. 
Um, so it was very different because I had grown exponentially in my sport and the journey of the team was very different as well from what it looked like back then. And I think, you know, you think about all those elements and it, it is a very different, you, you know, for you, like everyone's personal journey is very different. Um, it was weird not having the supporters in the crowd behind yeah. you or like, you know, I look back at footage from London and you have like, every, they blocked, they literally blocked the seats out and you would just see green and gold and Aussie flags and people screaming for you. And you're like, whoa, we didn't have that. You yeah. would have a few staff members in the crowd. And the referee and that's about it. The referee and that's about it. And, you know, like empty stadiums, it feels really weird because you train to prepare for full stadiums. So you mm. have lots of loud music. You have to be really loud, like vocally, like communication is so big. So it's like, oh, this is so weird. <laughs> it's like, oh, what's going on? But um I'm, I'm actually really glad that we got to do that in that time. And, um, you know, I think about all the support that made, like, enabled us to be able to get to Tokyo. Um, you know, I was really lucky that we were still able to travel during COVID. Yeah. We, were, we were the lucky ones. And whilst we would have to isolate when we got home, WA police and the national government and the WA Institute of Sport had actually created systems in place, had systems in place that meant that we could train. So even though I was in isolation for two weeks, we would leave for mm. an hour or two a day and go train in a special facility that would then get completely cleaned down before yep. it was open to anyone else or open at all. Um and, you know, it's all of that support that gets you to that point and you kind of go, wow, like we made it through. Yeah. And so, so tangenting back into the retirement sort of topic, um, oh, as you said, you were literally at what most would consider the, the legit peak of your uh, form, your career, this, that, the other, and, and then out of the blue to everyone, you're like, no, nope, I'm going to, you know, I'm retiring. Um, so first of all, what was the decision process like um, behind that? So there was a few things. Um, 15 years of international sport is a very long time for anyone. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I work. I'm a, I'm a student. I work. I've had bills to pay. Like I still have things that I need to do. Um, and unfortunately, like there comes a point where my priorities have shifted from mm -hmm. being elite athlete and then it starts going like, okay, well, I maybe need to be a bit of a, an adult and live a, a human, human and adult. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then there was also the side that it, it got really hard to leave home. Like I, I did think I was going to retire after Tokyo. Turns out I wasn't, I was like, you know what? I'm ready to go a bit longer. Like I yep. think I've got a bit more gas in my tank. And then last year I was being selected for teams and then on my drive to the airport in tears. Because I didn't oh, want to leave home. And people yeah. didn't know that. I Like, I, I was very, I think the only person that really saw it was my best friend um, and fellow teammate who also retired, yeah. um, Georgia Inglis. And she, she was like, it. look, if you're retiring, we retiring. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, confession, she made her announcement before me. So. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and she's pregnant now. She's having a little bubble. So it's very exciting. Um, but, you know, like all of those things, I just didn't want to be, I didn't want to be away from home. I just, I felt like it was time. And it's not to say 
that I won't come back in the future. It's like, I love this sport. I love this sport so much. And I've dedicated over half of my life to this sport. I'm 30 and 15 years of my life was dedicated to just international wheelchair basketball, let alone the yeah. two years into that. Yeah. So, and, and, and if we're talking sport in general, not just the basketball, we're talking literally a good three quarters of your life as well. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's it was time. I just, there was something in me that just went, it's time to see what's on the other side. Um, and that it, I, like, pardon my French when I say this, but it's fucking scary. I, I was literally going to say, was it scary? And you just confirmed that, yeah. It is fucking scary because I actually don't know who I am away from sport. Yeah, wow. Like other than You're trying the to fact, find an identity outside of yeah wow yeah other than the fact that I know I'm I work I like I work in communications and content I you, you know I love clothes and I love my dog and I have a partner and you know all of these things but actually who am I who am I to my mm. core if I'm not an athlete and that's not to say like that is taken away from me now like I will always be an athlete. I will always get to say I represented Australia at the highest level, won a silver medal at the Paralympics and at the Commonwealth Games. And, you know, I've had all of these achievements. I will always be an athlete and get to tell my story. However, I've now got to find the other facets of my life. And I honestly thought I was doing that. I honestly felt like away from sport when I was, I was being very conscious of when I was at events. It's not, this is Amber and I'm an athlete. It was like, oh, hi, I'm Amber. And oh, what do you do? Well, you know, I'm a communications content manager and I do this and this. And then always being an athlete was the last thing I would say. Um, But once I made that decision, like I was really lost. And it took, like, it took some hard conversations from some good girlfriends to actually be like, girl, you need to figure it out because Mm. we're just watching you spiral and we don't know what's going on. And I was literally spiraling to a point where I was like, watching my body change oh wow (laughs) yeah and I was freaking out like I just I didn't know I didn't know who I was or what I was doing and it was really hard um but I'm on a I'm on a good path now (laughs) that's good good that you're Um, out of this that you're out of the free fall and you're climbing back up sort of thing yeah and I have some good goals in place and I'm kind of just working towards all of that now um and just enjoying discovering like what actually make apart from sport what makes me tick and um you know I'm also very lucky like I'm not completely out of it I'm not completely out of the sport because Mm. my partner plays so I didn't play basketball yeah he plays wheelchair basketball so he also plays um that's how we met so yeah so you know I kind of still get to have that little bit of action in the sport But not actually being You're still going to get you fixed without actually having to complain. Yeah. yeah. Now that's, that's actually so awesome. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's actually so awesome. Um, obviously, it goes without saying, will you be watching the Paralympics and Olympics this year? Absolutely. You know, um, our men just qualified on the weekend. Um, they got the top spot in the AOZ championships, which means that they will be going to Paris. The girls um, came third, which means that they are heading to another tournament to qualify. To qualify. Yeah. Um, fingers crossed for the girls. Fingers crossed. And, you know, fully supporting them. Still really good mates with a number of them within the team. Still have so much love for them. And I like seeing what the progression of the program looks like without yeah. myself in it. 
Um, and there are elements that are really hard, you know, when watching on the weekend and watching these girls, there was a part of me that did feel a little bit guilty. But then I was also like, this is really good. Like, yeah, this is actually, and it's okay to feel this way, but this is really good for them. So, you know, it's exciting, exciting times ahead for the whole, the whole program and the whole system. Your feet deserve a break, guys. And what better way to treat them right than with a new pair of thongs. And guys, Toei Thongs has you covered. No word of an actual lie. These thongs are the comfiest pairs I've ever, ever owned. Straight out of the package, soft as heck. You know, they come in single plugger and double, double plugger. I'm currently rocking the single pluggers. Um, yeah, guys, for just $30 per solo pair. And the more you buy, the cheaper they get. And who doesn't love cheap thongs, you know? They also offer a monthly subscription to receive a pair every month for six months. So if you're a thong fiend or just need a new pair, be sure to head to toeythongs.com. Use our code LIFEINSPORT15 for 15% off at checkout. So we'll finish up with some quick fire and then two final questions. First one, first quick fire is Apple or Android? Apple. Okay, absolutely. Uh, what's your favourite movie of all time? Oh, that's really hard. It's like asking someone their favourite song. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to have to be The Notebook. Oh, I hate The Notebook. But, that, but that's fair <laughs> enough. Um, okay, then obviously this is one that I haven't asked anyone before yet. What's your least favorite movie that like you'll be you will avoid if anyone mentions it? You be like, nah, I hate it, don't like it. Oh, I'm gonna cop so much hate for this. Yep. Because I've got like three that I would never okay, watch again. name all three. One of them's Lord of the Rings. I've never watched the Lord of the Rings all the way through, and I I don't plan to. <laughs> um, the other one is um Braveheart. Yeah, you see, I don't hate it, but I definitely have to be in the mood to watch it. Oh, it took me eight sittings to watch through it. <laughs> I it, it, it is it is a lot, absolutely. And I'm not a big Star Wars person. Okay, that's where we <laughs> differ. Yes, don't get me wrong, I'm not a nerd. I haven't watched The Mandalorian or any of that, but I definitely can sit down and watch one or two of them at, at a time. But that's, I respect that. I definitely respect Braveheart <laughs> as well, because that, that is... It's a great movie, but it is a lot of a movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you know, I actually find it really hard to sit through movies, to be honest. Mm. Like they have okay. to really capture me. Um, I'm more of just like a TV show, Netflix. Okay. Well, then, what's your, what are you currently binging? Then? So we just finished Yellowstone. Okay, I've been recommended that heaps. I haven't watched it yet, though. Um, it's so good. Um, and then what is the one? Oh, I love true crime stuff. So. Currently Love watching the, oh, the first 48 on Stan. That's it a actually, great show, yep. Yeah, I've been just watching all of that. <laughs> Very nice. Um, I just finished binge watching for, I don't want, more times than I want to admit. Probably, It's probably up to the seventh or eighth time now I've binged this from start to finish. Uh, but I just finished binging again Ted Lasso. It's just such <laughs> a such a great show. I've um, not watched it, but I've heard oh. so many things. If you if you love sport, you'll absolutely love Ted Lasso. Um, I don't know if it's on any other streaming services, but it is on Apple TV. Um, yeah. But yeah, wow. Uh, next question: How do you like your steak? If you eat meat, that is rare. Blue, rare, okay. Rare. Yeah. Jeez, okay, that's the first per- time someone said rare to like blue. M- most common, obviously, is medium rare, and uh, well done is an atrocity. So you know we don't need to include that. Um, 
I like it still mooing pretty much. Like get out of my head because every single time someone on the on the podcast says medium rare and I'm like yep I just don't want my steak still mooing <laughs> every single nice. time um but now nah, honestly I could deal with rare as well just to, you know a bit more blood but I can't deal with blue um two two final questions are what's three life lessons you know now that you wish you like you would tell your younger self um it's hard um the first one is, and this is something that I actually, oh, my dog's just walked out the room. <laughs> um, the first one is that uh, someone else's opinion of you is none of your business. Ooh. That's that that's very introspective because like I was waiting for the when you said that someone else's opinion of you, I thought it was doesn't matter. But no, no, it it doesn't it ooh. It's not interesting. Yeah, what people geez. think of me is actually none of my business. But that's so interesting. Wow, yeah. okay. And what's the other two? Um what are things I wish I could tell my younger self? Mm-hmm. Um, that life isn't linear. Ooh, that's another good one. Jeez. Yeah, because we're I think philosophical like, up in this. <laughs> I think like when we're as an athlete, we kind of look at things and go, "Well, that's my goal." Yeah, this is my goal, and I'm going to do everything in my power to do that goal. Mm-hmm. And then the next one, like from there, then like when like going through retirement now, I'm like, "Well, actually, that's not how it works. I don't just work hard, get my goal. There's right. actually like." A, B, C, D, E, X, like all the way through to Z. And then there's everything that life can throw at you in that time as well. Yeah. So that was pretty wild. That's like a good one. Um, So life's not linear and what people think of me, like other people's opinions is none of your business. And if you truly love it, it's not meant to be hard. Yeah, like, because honestly, that's that one. Definitely so true. You know, that's just with everything in life, not just um, not just relationships, not just sport, but just everything. And not just that, but also tentating on that sort of um, advice is if you're not making it look easy, you're not doing it right either. Yeah. Like, as, as I'm sure you can attest as a professional athlete uh, to some extent, the podcast in, in general, some I'll probably edit this bit out, but some people, you know, they'll be talking the maddest hate in the comments, this, that, the other, but they don't see everything that goes on behind, you know, the hard work that goes on behind this sort of stuff. Same with the athletes. All they see is the finished product on the court. They don't see the hours and hours of dedication and training to make it look easy on the court sort of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely agree. My final question is what's yeah. next for Amber Merritt? I know. I mean, I'm just like leaning into life at the moment and enjoying, um, yeah, I'm just enjoying what's what's out there in the world. Um, well, we've got the Paralympics coming up to to be able to watch and the Olympics. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If anyone, if anyone actually wants um, a girl to do some commentary, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, I don't see why they wouldn't. Because especially for the Paralympics and the Paralympic basketball, absolutely. Yeah. So, no, that's it. Like, I'm just kind of seeing what, what the road has for me. 